Hello, and welcome to Marriage and Money, a conversational podcast about personal financial topics aimed at taking the money stress out of a marriage and turning the focus to enjoying life together. This is a weekly discussion brought to you by a seemingly financially incompatible couple bonded by the legal contract of marriage. My name, of course, is David, your favorite saver, and I'm joined today by my favorite chauffeur, Heather. Heather, would you be able to remind everybody how they can get a hold of us? You bet. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can either email us at marriageandmoneypodcast at gmail.com or drop us a message or comment on a post on Instagram at marriage.and.money. Thank you so much. And we have an awesome show for you today, as always. Um, today, we're going to be talking about auto loans and leases. Uh, but first, Heather, what's happening in life? Well, happy birthday to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you love birthdays more than pretty much anything. And so it seems quite fitting for you to sing happy birthday to yourself. Yes, it was my birthday this week, which is kind of a big deal. Um, and so we had lots of celebrations going on. I, I think um, birthdays should be celebrated longer than a day. Uh, I'm not... <laughs> I'm not totally greedy here, and I don't call the whole month, especially since I share the month with Thanksgiving, which is my favorite holiday. So I like to take the week prior and the week after. So just two weeks. I feel like that's very reasonable. But not the week of, you're saying. Well, the week's sandwiching <laughs> my birthday. Got it. Okay. The week leading okay, up to... Okay, so just to... a two-week birthday celebration. Right, right. But it was an awesome birthday. It was a little weird birthday being in Singapore and away from my friends and family. Um, I had my, my best friend and, and hubby, um, David, here to celebrate. Uh, but with technology, I got to hear and see from people, which was awesome. Um, yeah, it was yeah, a great day. I, I, took, I had I, a great time going out with you and yeah. celebrating with you. And, you know, your birthday is kind of a high pressure situation because birthdays, I, I don't know, I, some of you out there are probably married to people that think the birthday is, is the, the biggest holiday of the year as well. And so you don't want to screw this up. Like in my mind, screwing up the birthday is worse than forgetting our anniversary, worse than um, forgetting to get a present for Christmas. It, it's really the worst thing in the world to screw up. And so you got to hit that birthday strong and, and do it well. You did very well this year. I mean, for the most part, I usually plan my birthday because here's the deal. Why leave that up to anybody? I know what I want. I'm just going to plan it and organize it myself. But this year I was like, hey, David, I want to go out for a fancy dinner and drinks. You plan it. So he was super nervous. I couldn't believe how nervous he was. <laughs> I was nervous. It was like a first date kind of nervous. Like I did not want to <laughs> screw this up. And he did very well. I give him an A+. Oh, well, anyway, thank you very much. That's very generous of you to, <laughs> to give me the, uh, credit for that. Uh, so if we could move on to our topic for this week, auto loans and leases. Now oh, I'm excited man. because I think we're going to make a lot of friends this episode. I was going to say, bring on the hate meal. I feel like it's going to get hot in here again. I feel like this is... <laughs> I'm not sure people are going to want to hear what we have to say on this Yeah, topic. no, that's true. We, we, yeah, our our opinion on this isn't going to be very popular. Um, and so we know that up front. Not compared to the numbers out there. Let's yeah, just, just doing that. some research on this. We know we're in the minority on this topic. So, um, so tr please uh, feel free to disagree. Uh, we would love to hear your disagreements. And we'll, we're going to be happy to disagree with you as well. But keep an open mind. That's listen, right. Just just I'll, listen to what we have to say. Well, and I'll listen to what you, everybody else has to say. Right. We need to keep an open mind, too. That's right. Very true. Um, all right. So, Heather, I was reading that 44% of Americans have auto loans. 
and that the the majority of new cars are are have some kind of financing on them. Um, what what do you say about that? This makes me really sad. Um, I think it's the biggest misunderstanding for people. It's become so normal, obviously, with the statistics. People just assume that you will have car debt. That's just what you do. There's no other way, which is such a lie. Um, but I do get it. It's it's probably, what, the second most expensive thing you buy outside of your, outside house, of your house, outside of yeah. your home and your rent. Um, and so I get it, you know, people borrow for a house. So, you know, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you borrow for a car? It's just normal, but it just, the data makes me really sad. Yeah. I, that's my feeling as well. Um, as we've, you know, we've talked about this, it's, it seems like it's one of those things where, because it's a large number that a lot of times people are spending on their cars because they want to have the nice car. Um, they're spending a lot of money. They say, well, there's no way that I can come up with, with, um, $40,000 or $50,000 to buy a car. And, and that could be true. And, uh, yeah, I, we'll get to it. We'll get to our solution for this, but, um, yeah, it doesn't seem, it seems like there, there are other ways to approach this. And I get it. And I don't, I don't want to sound like a, a hypocrite because true confession time. I have done this. That's right. That was not Mrs. Prale at the time. Um, this would not have happened if David had been in my life. But when I was in my mid-20s, I took out a loan for a used car. Um, it just seemed normal. I felt grown up. I was excited. I think I've talked about this before. Um, but you can learn from your mistakes just as well as I did. So I just want to set the ground here. We are not perfect people. I have done this. So I've that was the one and only time. Right. And and there's a lot of reasons that people will tell themselves that this is a normal thing to, to finance a car, to take out a loan for it, right? They say, well, you know, like you said, oh, everybody's doing it. This is the adult thing to do. It's super normal. I'm going to have a payment anyway, so I might as well have a, a payment for a nice car that I can afford. So let's do it. Um, they also would, would say, hey, a car is a necessity. A lot, I, I need a, a, a car that's, uh, that's there, that's reliable, um, that I don't have, uh, that, that I, I don't have to worry about on a day-to-day basis. So I'm going to, I'm going to spend more money and take out a loan to do it. And then, oh, the interest rate, I, I my interest rate's so low that, you know, I, I can get this car loan. Maybe I can get it interest free for the first couple years or an incredibly low, low rate, um, overall. And so why wouldn't I do that? Yeah, that's the one I don't like, I just don't understand. I I mean, I get people are saying, Hey, I can take this money and I can go invest. Would you ever borrow money to invest? It just, I know some people do it, but it just seems so risky to me. No, thanks. So if that makes me old and curmudgeon, then I guess it does. I am going to be the slow and steady turtle in this game, and I'm not going to risk going into debt to invest that money. Exactly. Yeah, I don't hear about, at least I personally don't know anyone who's gone to their bank and said, hey, give me a second mortgage so that I can go invest that money because mortgage rates are so low right now. I want to go invest that money. Nobody's doing that. Um, I have seen people say, oh, I can get 0% interest on this credit card. Um, so why don't I do a, an advance on this credit card for 0% for a year, invest it and come back and it'll, it might work out. Yeah, it, it can. And people do it. I just, that's where I'm saying, I think yep. I'm, it, I'm old it, and curmudgeon, but. It, and, 
and along this lines, we received basically that advice straight from our financial advisor, our financial planner. Right. So our financial planner, um, who we highly respect, love him to death, and he's I can't speak hi- highly enough of him, but he has this traditional view of if you're buying a car, why on earth would you pay cash for it when they're willing to give you uh, such a low interest rate at you know 3% or less even? Um, because you can invest that money and you can make, you know, up, up, upwards of 8%, 8, 10%, um, and pocket the difference. Right. So that's, that's the assumption there. But again, like you were saying, Heather, it's more about that risk profile and what's the level of risk that you want to take in order to make that money, how much you can leverage that, um, you can, you can leverage that gain. And you can also, you're also at the same time leveraging the loss. So if you're telling us that we shouldn't finance a car, why not? And how? Well, why you don't want to do it is, first of all, um, like I said, you're you're leveraging both your risk and your your advantage and and your risk and your your, uh, decreases or your losses. Um, so it's a two-edged sword and people like to think about t- things in terms of, oh, I'm going to make, uh, I'm going to come out on top by 5% gain because I'm going to be investing it. You might, um, you could also go the other way. Um, and do you want to introduce more risk into your life? Should something go wrong? Should you get sick? Should, um, a, a, an economic downturn come? Do you want that additional risk? Additionally, cars depreciate right out as soon as you drive them off the lot. So I can get on board a little bit more with with um, investing in a home and taking out a mortgage for a home because traditionally home values, not always, and that has it hasn't been the case for me even, <laughs> but home values should go up. And so you shouldn't make or you shouldn't lose a lot of money on your home. But you buy a car, you're guaranteed to lose money. Yeah, I mean, I think the research says that you lose 10% in the value the first month of that new car. That's insane. I know, right? The minute you take it, it just goes down. And then 20 to 30% of the value, it goes down in the first year. So boom, if something happens and you can't make that payment on the loan, you are in capital T trouble. And something happens, like you could get in a car wreck, right? right? And sure, you have insurance, but do you have insurance to cover the difference in that? Right. They're going to pay out what it's worth then. They're going to pay out less likely. They're going to pay out what what the value was at the time you crashed it, not the value at the time you bought it. And you need the value at the time you bought it if you have a loan. Yeah. I don't mean to to do scare taxes, but this really feels like the true definition of risky business to me. Very much so. Okay, so if we're saying, okay, David, you don't want to finance a car, well, that's no problem. I'm going to lease a car because, um, you know, I can get a new car every three years. Uh, I'm going to make the payment. Is that a, what do you think about leasing? So leasing is not any better in at all. It's probably, I would say it's, it's worse than actually uh, financing a car. So at least if you're financing a car, you technically still own it well you you have you have more of a chance of owning it i should say (laughs) so leasing sure you get a new car every three years you you might not have to pay as much for for maintenance because you got this brand new car and it's maintenance is factored in um but 
but you're you're you have this lease. You you don't own a car. At the end of that lease, you you don't have anything to show for it. And in fact, when when you you can buy that car at the end of the three years, you're paying more than overall than if you had just paid for it up front up outright. Yeah, I know. Actually, I know quite a few people, um, really smart smart people who lease their vehicles, even financial people. But I just I've never really been able to understand it. The one good thing that I would say out of this option is um, we've bought cars that came off of leases. So thank you to all those people out there <laughs> exactly. who are leasing a car That's because a great point. we get a three-year-old used car at like a significant discount of what it was. It looks brand new because you had to take care of it, it or you're out a lot of money. So you, you know locked, what? Thank you. And you were locked into a certain number of miles. That's right. right. So you can't – baked into your lease contract, you can't drive it over a certain number of miles. Otherwise, you get penalized. And so – Oh gosh, now I'm stressing about how many miles I'm putting on my car. Well, thank you very much for keeping that car nice and fresh for me to walk in and buy it at a discount rate with low miles. Exactly, I appreciate that. Exactly, right? Exactly. And thanks for taking care of it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um and but I you know, I get why companies would want to lease cars to a yeah. certain extent. I still don't think it I, I still don't agree with the approach, but um companies will oftentimes say, Well, we don't wanna take a, a one year hit for the cost of this vehicle, we're going to spread that out over the life of the vehicle by leasing it. And so I, I see and I understand that. And then they don't have to worry about the maintenance as much because of it. I get it. At the end of the day, they're still spending more. And so, sure, if you want to spend more money to not worry about these things, that's your choice. But it's not financially beneficial. So overall, I would say our opinion is... Yeah, don't do this. <laughs> so, um, well then, David, what is behind door number three? Well, the best option, <laughs> <laughs> the best option clearly is to pay cash, right? Um, but but that is impossible. Like the new meatless Impossible Burger, there is no way that <laughs> you can pay cash for a car. Only rich people can do that. Well. Rich people can do it because they have been saving for it, or they have been say, or or they're not actually rich people. So <laughs> here's the deal. So I bought my cars for cash when I was making no money, basically, right? I was fresh out of college when I bought my first car. It wasn't a new car; it was a used car, and I saved up for it. And you know how I did that? I I put a little bit of money. You away. weren't dating. What was that? You weren't dating. Well, that's a good point. I wasn't dating you for sure. You like to spend money. I wasn't dating. I, I, I put a little bit of money aside every month. So I knew that I was going to need to buy a car. So I was driving um, the car. I was driving a, a car that I, I, I had. My dad gave me. It was a, a bit of a beater. And then I put a little bit of money aside every month. People would give me crap about the car I was driving. My dad, he gave me that car and he was telling me it's time to buy a new car. But I was like, I can't, I got to put money away. And so I put a little bit of money away and then I bought the car. Yeah. I mean, and if you listen to our savings episode, we kind of talked about this, but you, we're not saying that you're not going to have to put so much money away each month for a car. Um, but instead of making that payment to the bank, um, pay to yourself and plan for it. So if you know, we look out a couple of years and say, okay, we're going to need a new car in two years. So how much are we going to spend? And then we back into it and each month, you know, put that away into a separate account, noting what it's for. So 
it's not that you don't have money coming out every month going to it, but hopefully, you know, you're able to put it and save for it to, to spend it. Right. And a common argument that I hear around, oh, I, well, I can't do that because my current car is unreliable. I can't trust it to get me to work um, and I have to go to work. Otherwise, I can't make money. I get that. There are other options. So if you have a car and it's just unreliable, keep driving it while you're saving money. If you can afford repairs on it, do those minimal repairs, bare minimum repairs. Do do an Uber if, if you're broken down on the side of the road or you can't get to work. Yeah, I really recommend that you find a very good, reliable mechanic who you can trust, especially if you're a woman out there, because I feel like sometimes they try to talk cars and, oh, we need this and you got to fix the middle. There are plenty of women that know cars. Uh, I know, I honest. know. But speaking for myself, I feel like a lot of times mechanics look at women thinking that we don't know and they try to try to screw you over. So a funny story. So my cousin um, drove a Honda forever, forever. And I can't even remember how long. I think it had over what, 300,000 miles? It, it was right? a lot of miles. It was, and com- he just, yeah, I thought it was like 400. Maybe it was 400,000. He was, it was a lot it of miles. It was forever. And he just had this amazing mechanic who knew how to treat it and did, did all the repairs and he just kept getting it fixed. And finally his mechanic just finally had to tell him like, it is time. You have to get a different car. But there are services out there, mechanics who can, you can get the help and at a fair price without getting, you know, Right. And the air conditioner might not work and the odometer might not work (laughs) and a lot of things might not work. But if it gets you to your job, um, that's all you need while you're putting that money away for the next vehicle. I think another thing that people often do is they buy a more car than they can afford. So the cost of the car isn't just the payment, you know, if you're financing it or whatever. It's it's also how much does it cost to maintain it? When you take it into the shop, what is an oil change? Do you have to take it into the dealer? Can you do it yourself? So I think you need to look at understanding the total cost before yes. you Yes, when we're talking about buying a used car with cash, we're not talking about looking up on Craigslist and finding a, a two to $3,000 BMW that kind of runs that you can enjoy and it's it's got all these nice features. That might be great, but a BMW, even if it's running great when you buy it, it, there's going to be a lot of expensive maintenance that is probably going to be more than the value of the car in a short while. Do you, David, do you think that we will ever have a brand new car? No, I, I don't <laughs> think so. No, I was afraid you were going to say that. Because there is, there is no reason, right? Why why would we buy a brand new car? I know. I, I don't know. I could see buying a car maybe that's one year old, but like why would I – I would much rather buy a one-year-old car then that's taken that, like you said, that 10% or 20%, 30% hit, whatever that number was, then to buy it right brand new. As funny as it would be, the accountant in me just like can't get over that. So we want you to keep the conversation going at your house. Maybe this is like totally blew your mind or maybe you are in agreement with us, which would be awesome. So <laughs> sit down and talk to your spouse. Uh, what Talk about like what is your car situation? Do you have a plan? Are you saving for your next car? Uh, put together a savings plan for your vehicles. How you're, if you are in debt, how are you going to get out of debt as quickly as possible? Um, how are you going to save uh, to buy if you need a new car coming up in the next couple of years and put together a savings plan? So, David. Heather. For those people that are out looking for a car, um, what do you look for when you are picking out a car? How do you choose like your next vehicle? What's important? So, it's so apparently changed. not brand new. 
it's changed at different parts <laughs> in my life. So when I was first starting out, I wanted something that was reliable, uh, moderately reliable, and had low maintenance costs. That was the big thing, um, that I, the two big things that I cared about. Now, um, as I'm moving on to, to nicer vehicles as well, I want, I'm looking closer at lower gas mileage. I, I care about gas mileage. I still care about lower maintenance costs. I, I don't want a car that has premium fuel. I'm all about cost efficiency. Um, but now, but now even more later, so my next car that I, I potentially be looking at, I'm kind of looking for something a little more fun. And I'm thinking about that because now we're at a stage of life where I think we can afford something a little more fun. Ooh, now we're talking. Yeah, I know. Like buying a car just because I like the car, not because it necessarily makes sense. Now I'm starting to, my mind is starting to switch that way. Nice. So I really like electric cars. And so I want an electric car for my next car, if I can make that happen. Um, and there's no reason, like it's going to be more expensive. I know it's going to be more expensive, but it's just fun. I think it's fun. The technology is fun. How about you, Heather? So for me, I first ask, will I look cute in this car? <laughs> the answer is always yes. <laughs> where, where do you not look cute? I also care a lot about the color because I have to look at this car and I really want to make sure that I like the color because I know we're going to buy it for forever and I'm going to have it forever. Um, no, but seriously, I've always wanted it to be reliable, um, but I do want it to look nice because you spent, I spent so much time in my car that I don't want to be like, I can't stand this car. I don't like being in it. So I do have to, I do actually have to like it. However, you know, I am a boring conservative accountant. So most of my cars, you know, have been like Hondas, pretty basic, reliable cars. Which has not, which has changed recently. Yeah. But I remember a story when I was in public accounting and one of my colleagues made partner at the CPA firm I was at. And they were so excited. They bought a brand new car for their first time in their life. What do you think they bought? Oh, a Honda Accord. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) It's so hard for accountants, I think, to not buy something conservative and reliable. So anyway, that always just cracked me up. But it's it's a solid car. (laughs) I understand it. Yep. Not that this is a commercial. This is not supposed to be a commercial for Honda. We are not getting money from Honda for this episode. <laughs> but we could. We're open, uh, Honda, if you're out there. <laughs> oh, thanks, Heather. Well, great news. We This week we have another question from a listener. And this one comes from Instagram. Aren't you pumped? Yeah. This woo-hoo. is awesome. Two weeks in a row questions. So please keep those questions coming, especially if you disagree with us. I would love to get a disagreement question um, on this episode and uh, take us to town on this. Um So this question comes from Will uh, from Instagram. Will says, I'm 26 and I'm always curious to see how and where people should be at financially at different stages of life. I know they say never to compare with each other's finances, but still curious at what age and what net worth are you considered average, more successful, or below average among peers? Heather? So I really appreciate this question because I am 100% guilty of comparing myself to others. And I'm always concerned. It's something that I struggle with personally. So I can relate to this question very well, Um, which I know is not good. Uh, I agree. He even admits like we're not supposed to do that and we're not supposed to do that. Um, And I totally agree. So also, you know, you shouldn't 
whatever you do, you know, don't look at someone's lifestyle and compare yourself to others because you have no idea of their situation. They, they could have a lot nicer house or cars or go on fancy vacations, but they could also be broke. They could be swimming in debt and have a negative net worth. So, um, you know, you really, you really can't compare yourselves unless someone lays out their balance sheets and their assets to you. Right. So, so try not to, I know it's really hard. Um, you will have to sacrifice today some to set yourself up for the future, unless you just are inherited income for money and whatever. But even then, you still have to. You can't just unlimited. You have to, you know, be reasonable. Yeah, so even even if you have multiple millions of dollars, you still have a fixed amount of money. Right. Exactly. Everybody does. Right. So I'm not gonna give numbers here, which I know that's what he wants to hear. But I think for me, what we've kind of done is, you know figure out what that number is you want to get to, to retire or be financially independent, what, whatever you, that, where you want to be and at what age. Um, then there's some math you can do to kind of back into it to say, okay, if that age is 50 for me and it's, it's whatever million, million dollars, you, you can back in to say, what do you have to save every year? Where do you need to be to hit that? Right. Um, so, and then you can check on how you're doing on your progress towards that number. So, uh, you know, really try to figure out what your individual plan is and, and see how well you're doing and progressing towards it would be my recommendation. But I, everybody's situ life situation is so different. It's hard to really say where you should be or anyway, those are my thoughts. How about no, you? It's a, it's a good recommendation. And I had a very similar, similar questions in my twenties about this, wondering how I stacked up. Was I tracking correctly? And, and I completely agree with you that, that pretty much like everything in life, there's no one single right answer to this. Um, and one of the things that I kind of latched onto or that I noticed in his question was that he said, how is this compared to your peers or my peers, right? So uh, there's an assumption here that it's easy to identify peers. So if we're talking about peers of age group, then that includes people who are executives to people who are homeless on the streets. So to someone who's homeless on the streets, I'm doing so much better if I just have a minimum wage job. If I'm comparing myself to an executive who's my age, then I'm then I'm far behind. So you, I caution you, don't compare yourself against against others because you're always going to feel like you're you're coming up short. You're always going to find somebody at your age who you might consider your peer who's doing better than you. That's always going to be the case. And I completely agree with you, Heather, that you need to start at the end. So you mentioned, um, let's say you need a million dollars to retire, right? So if Will is 26 years old and he wants to save a million dollars, have a million dollars at retirement, and let's say he doesn't have anything in the bank right now, um, I, I went out to an investment calculator, um, investor.gov, so it's a US government website calculator, and um, the result there said that if he was going to retire at 65 with a million dollars with no savings, he would need to save $730 per month right now, assuming uh, an annual rate of return of 5%, which is a conservative rate. The, the one thing that I would also remind him of is that when you're thinking about what that final number is and what you might need on an annual basis to, to live, remember that we're talking about numbers when you're 65, the year 2059, I assume, um, those dollars are going to, today's dollars are going to be worth a million dollars in 2059 is worth a lot less today. In fact, a million dollars in 2059 is probably only worth, going to be worth about um, $380,000 uh, in today's money. So 
is $380,000 enough for you in retirement? Depends on your lifestyle. Yeah, so there's formulas out there, though, to play with the numbers on the rate of return or the end state or the age. But um, And we even struggle. I mean, we have a number that we're working towards. But, I mean, I don't know. That could change. It's changed in our life. Like as We don't know married. that it's the right number. Right. And, and, and our, our standard of living has changed over time as well. So when we first started out, our standard of living and our costs were lower than they are now. So Now we got to pay for premium fuel. We got to pay for premium fuel for that that fancy car of yours, and we've got a <laughs> we've we've got all these things that we have to take care of, right? Oh, so yeah. So thank you very much, Will, for the question. Really appreciate it. Um, so I think that about wraps up our conversation today. We would love to hear from you on how your conversations around money are going uh, within your marriage. Um, take your questions and, and we'd love to take your questions on future episodes. So please remember to email us at marriage and money podcast at gmail.com or message us on Instagram at marriage and money. Also, please continue to rate and review us on iTunes as that helps us reach more people. Thanks again for joining us this week. And remember that whether you're a spender or a saver, your best financial life lies somewhere in the middle.